Have you ever wondered what goes on behind the scenes of your daily commute? Or how transportation impacts the community you call home? Maybe you want to explore outside your community and don't know where to start. Well, you're in luck because this is where you hop on. I'm Brittany Hoffman. And I'm Madeline Phipps. We work in communications for Valley Metro, and together we'll discover all the ways that public transit enhances lives across the cities we serve. And we might even make some new friends along the way. Welcome to Storylines. Well, if you read the newspaper or watch the news on TV, you've probably heard that Valley Metro's current CEO, Scott Smith, is retiring very soon. Yes, he is, Maddie. We have a new CEO joining us in the month of April, but in his final days as CEO, we got a chance to sit down with this transit legend to reflect back on his past here at the agency and look forward to what's in store for Valley Metro. I'm Scott Smith. I am currently the CEO of Valley Metro, and I've been here a little over six years. You've had many, many accomplishments during those six years. I've survived. That's the biggest accomplishment. I've been here six years. <laughs> That's very true. And so you have survived through many challenges as well as CEO. Can you tell us what you felt made the biggest impact on the Valley? Oh, that's hard to do because the thing about Valley Metro is its impact is so broad and so deep. And I would say that in over six years, there's been so many things and so many changes from the rail projects that we've either started or completed, the pandemic where our staff did an amazing job in, in forging through incredible challenges to continue to provide service uninterrupted, to dealing with receiving $750 million in federal grant money to help us invest in transit in the Valley. All those things together have created impacts that will last literally for generations. That, I think, is what's been the funnest part, is to realize that when you talk about legacy, anyone who works at Valley Metro has a legacy. Because whether you're my age and you're you know in the twilight of your career, or you're your age and starting out your career, we'll all be able to go around and take our friends, our family, our kids, our grandkids, and say, I had a part of that. I played a role in making this happen, and that's a legacy that I think everybody at Valley Metro should be proud of. Well, obviously, we're talking with you today because your time as CEO is coming to a close in a few weeks. So when you think back on your job here, what are you going to miss the most? I will miss the people. Every job I've gone to and every career I've gone to it's not the things, it's the people. I've never been around a group of people who are as passionate about what they do as the, the people at Valley Metro. That's also our riders in the public. They're very passionate about public transportation. You know, I've been in some great jobs and great careers and worked with good people, but the level of commitment and a passion that almost runs to an obsession has been such a, a breath of fresh air to me because there are people who come to work every day with the goal of making lives better for others. And they put their heart and soul into it. And I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss being able to look with pride as to the work we do. And even if it's controversial or not everyone sees it the same way that we have, I know that I have a team and a group of people that is joined in that common labor of love. And I'm going to miss that. That's going to be hard to leave. Scott, that's such a good answer. But now that you've told us, obviously, you're going to miss the people, what are you not going to miss? Some people, no. <laughs> I, you know, the politics. We're in mm. a very, if you're in a public agency and you're in a public business, 
that means politics gets involved. And the reason why I say politics, it's not that I can't handle the politics. I've dealt with politics now and I can make things happen. But in politics, you have people who aren't committed to doing what's right. They're doing it for political reasons. And politics is about power and about self-advancement. And unfortunately, we deal with a lot of those people in trying to do what's better for the community. And I, I'm not a very patient person when it comes to people who appear to be motivated most by political issues, mainly self-interest. I love political people who are there to serve others and to create community interests. And there are good people like that. But I'm not going to miss the raw politics of things because it's just so frustrating for me because it keeps us from accomplishing the things that we really want to and need to accomplish. And that's connecting our communities and enhancing lives. So speaking of politics, you've held a number of different types of roles throughout your career, including as mayor of Mesa. But how did your time as Valley Metro CEO compare to some of the other jobs you've held in your career? My job as CEO has been so unique because I've never been, for lack of a better word, a bureaucrat. I've owned my own business or I've reported to a board of directors with a certain incentive in private world to, to make a profit. And as mayor, you are political and the leader. And now I answer to a board of elected officials. And frankly, that's been a very different experience for me. And I've tried to respect their position because I understand where they're coming from. But I'm not a policymaker. I'm an implementer. And so that's created challenges for someone like me who's used to being the, the one that sets the policy. And I think I've done a really good job in some ways, and I probably could have done better in other ways, because I'm sort of a lead follower, get out of the way kind of a guy. And that's how it's been very different. But in spite of uh, those challenges, you know, we've accomplished a lot. And there are people that have said they've really enjoyed working with someone like me, because I do have that different perspective. I know what it's like to be an elected official. I know what it's like to be a CEO in a private world. And now I know what it's like to be head of a government agency that answers to a board of elected officials. And they're all very different experiences. Speaking of experiences, that leads to memorable moments. I know that I've had many with you, Scott, including one of my favorite stories is when you tell people how cold it was on the <laughs> beginning of light rail. Yeah. You know, the great thing about being involved in a place like Valley Metro is there's so many memorable moments that it's hard to identify one because there's 20. Anytime you have projects and you have milestone moments, Mm -hmm. to look back on a grand opening, the opening of, of service, a group together. Like I, to me, I, I really loved our railversary. That was such a fun event and the good attention we got and seeing everybody in the community celebrating public transportation, light rail and Valley Metro. And this is literally less than two years after Valley Metro was at its lowest point. When I came and it was deep in controversy and scandal, and Valley Metro name was not a good name. And to see just two short years later to be able to almost celebrate becoming part of the community, that was a very memorable moment. And then just a few sh short months after that, there was a poll that was done as part of the light rail controversy in Phoenix in the election. And Valley Metro was rated as the most trustworthy and positive public entity in the entire valley. That to me was probably the highlight because what it meant is that We'd overcome great adversity, would turn the corner, and would make things happen. And it made that experience in 2008, when it was so cold, it sort of brought it full circle. Here we are celebrating 10 years of light rail and all the changes, the positive changes that light rail had brought to our community. The transformation in downtown Phoenix and Tempe and now in Mesa 
was just a reason to celebrate and to think that it started on a freezing cold morning where it's probably the only memorable thing I said as mayor. We're at this ribbon cutting and it's like in the 20s and there's ice on the podium, literally icicles hanging down from the podium because it had been very damp the night before. And, you know, Mesa is a very conservative place. And at that time, light rail wasn't, you know, the most popular thing. And I got up there and I, I just said, you know, there are people in my community who said that light rail would never come into Mesa until hell froze over. I offer you this evidence. It has happened. It was a highlight only because now, many years after the fact, people still remind me of that. And if that's, if I can say something that's made that kind of impression, then I guess it's been okay. But everything after that, from the time I joined this agency in February of 2016 till now, there have been so many big challenges and yet so many great successes. They all sort of wrap into one. And that's what I'll remember. Hmm. Well, I guess a freezing opening day for anything in Phoenix is going to be a surprise. But <laughs> besides that, have there been any other things that have surprised you throughout the last six years here? I think the election in Phoenix was a surprise for everybody. It was in August of 2019, and we were very afraid. You never know how these things are going to play out. And for the first time in the entire nation, there was a single up or down vote on light rail. The voters of Phoenix were offered the option of continuing to invest in light rail or to take the money that had been set aside or earmarked to light rail and put it into streets. You know, that's a tough call for people, especially who aren't living next to light rail. And so we were, I think, concerned and people across the country were concerned because they felt as though if the opponents of light rail were successful in basically killing the light rail program, that it would encourage them to expand their efforts and to take this argument nationwide. And so there was a real feeling that Phoenix was a bellwether event. And when the results came in and we found that not only did the Phoenicians reject the attempt to kill light rail, but they did it in overwhelming fashion. I mean, when you win an election 65-35, That's just amazing. That just doesn't happen that often. And to be given that choice and for them to say, we believe in public transportation, we especially believe in light rail, that to me was sort of the highlight because it meant that we as a group had done things that the community liked, they respected, and they believed was important. And they were willing to give up something, meaning fixing the potholes in their street, because they said, no, it's too important and too good to not continue to invest in it. And to me, that had to be one of the highlights of my time here and all the time, because as somebody said, the debate over light rail in Phoenix, Arizona is over and light rail wins. And I see the impact it's had on our communities. And it's just, it's it, to me, it's pretty special. Maddie and I were both definitely very excited when that vote came down, very celebratory, I know we had kind of prepared for both routes. And so it was very, as you said, uplifting to see the overwhelming support for public transportation and what we do here. Sometimes you wonder when you're in these jobs if the message is really being accepted, if it's getting through. And when you see the public basically, because they're voting about us in a lot of ways and Mm -hmm. the job we're doing. And, you know, if they didn't believe in us and if they didn't think we were doing a good job in being wise and good steward of the public trust, they would not support these projects. And for them to come out and do that, it's just satisfying and a feeling of achievement. So, Scott, obviously, Prop 105, huge momentum, swings in the way of Valley Metro. 
if you could have three wishes before retiring, what would they be? I wish I could snap my fingers and the, all the projects we have under construction now would be done tomorrow. That's probably the one thing I'm going to miss. These are the third and fourth light rail projects that I got going. I designed, I was part of the team that got them going and we overcame lots of challenges and I left mid-construction. And so I didn't get to really fully experience completing the projects because these projects take a lot of years. And so if I, if I had my druthers, it would be first that South Central is done without any more delay, that Northwest is done, that we get Tempe Streetcar opened on time. That's the first wish. The second wish is that the community continue to invest in transportation, especially public transportation which means Prop 400 gets extended another 25 years. I'm hoping that the residents fully appreciate how that now almost 40-year investment has changed their lives. And it's all too easy to take things for granted. And I hope that the residents don't take the investment of this half-cent sales tax for granted. I know we don't because we live it. And then the third thing is that we continue to invest and do great things at Valley Metro because our community needs us. And if I can look back on five years and see Valley Metro is as successful as it is today, or even more successful, I hope, then I will be satisfied. And I wish my successor the best because she's starting from a good place and has a good team. And I just want her to succeed and build upon what we've started and take it to new levels. And those would be my three wishes. So you mentioned investment in the future and Prop 400 coming up. And something else that I've often heard you say is that transit is a generational investment. So we're looking ahead. What can people expect in future generations from our transit system? What's it going to look like in 10 or 20 years? Well, I think, first of all, it's going to look very similar and yet have big changes. The first thing is you're going to find that the things we rely on now, high capacity transit, rail, buses, bus rapid transit are going to be even more important because we're going to be adding people. It's going to be a denser population growth and we simply don't have enough asphalt to adequately move people and move goods. And so I think we're going to find that while people are thinking that public transportation is becoming less important, I think it will become more important. But I think it will look different in the sense that there will be a lot of autonomous vehicles. There will be a lot of microtransit. Maybe you won't see that bus route that runs on secondary streets and on less busy, that maybe that'll be replaced by more ride sharing and autonomous vehicles and microtransit. And you'll find that buses and trains will be more for long haul, high capacity type needs. And I think that's how we will adapt to a changing landscape. Yes, Phoenix will always be spread out. We can't change that. But more and more people will live toward the center of the cities and will rely on public transportation to get to and from their jobs. And I think, you know, jobs will be different. Uh, you'll have people like we are now. I don't see this changing where people will only be working in a place maybe two or three days a week and there'll be a lot of flexibility. And so their transportation needs will change. That's what I view is it'll be more crowded, more hectic, and yet public transportation will be more essential and there'll be more ways that we'll work together to move people, and there will be multiple parties too. I don't see Valley Metro running all this microtransit. I think there will be private companies, and just like you have Uber and Lyft now, and maybe cities will do things in their own place, and companies like Waymo will offer things, and I just think it's pretty exciting. Scott, we just asked you to look 10 to 20 years in the future and project what it could look like. 
And I think the pandemic has also made us realize that we have no idea what things can look like in the next couple of years and beyond. So that being said, I want you to look into the future again. And you have just retired. It's day one. What are you going to do the first day of retirement, the first month of retirement, and the first year? That's a great question. If you have an answer, please tell me. (laughs) My first day of retirement, I'm going to wake up and wonder, why is my schedule empty? At least from work standpoint. (laughs) But it's interesting that the pandemic has actually sort of prepared me for this because I've been working from home Mm -hmm. so much that I don't know that it's going to be a whole lot different because I've had so many WebEx meetings and Zoom meetings and not come into the office as often. That's probably helped me to ease into it. I've got some projects. My wife and I bought an RV a little over a year ago. We got our first big trip planned in May. We're going to head up to Glacier National Park and meet my sister and her family up there. And then we're going to just meander around. Literally, the greatest thing is that I have no schedule. We're going to go to Glacier and we know when we need to be there. And I asked my wife, what do you want to do on the way home? She goes, I don't know. We'll figure it out when we get there. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that saying, well, hey, I don't have to be anywhere for what? And so let's take our time. Let's explore. Uh, After a couple months of travel and going with the grandkids over to California to to San Diego and places like that, I'd have nothing specific planned, although I have had talks with a lot of people about ways I can be involved. I still believe in the issues like transportation that are important to us. I have been in politics enough that I, I want to be involved because at the end of the day, you have to be involved in politics because you need the voters to support these things. So Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to doing that. And I'm hoping that there will be somebody out there who will look at this old guy and say, Hey, you know, the guy's been around for 40 years in in business and in leadership positions. Maybe he's learned something. I hope I have. Uh, I hope if nothing else, I've learned what not to do because that can be more important than the successes is uh, tell me about your failures. And I won't have to go very far to think about those either. And I'm sure that I'll keep busy and get involved and engaged in something that'll help me to be involved in shaping public opinion or shaping policy. And I just don't know exactly what form that'll be in or what I'll do, but I'm looking forward to having that flexibility and that freedom and checking up on you guys too. Oh yeah. Of course you can always listen to storylines to get the latest on Valley Metro. I will. (laughs) Great. Well, thank you, Scott, so much for joining us today and also for your leadership the last several years at Valley Metro. It's been a pleasure working for you and for this agency. I'm sure Brittany can say the same. Most definitely. Well, thanks. Thanks to you, too. I, I look at you, two and and this sounds a little hokey, but it's not. I mean, literally, I'm on my way out. You're the future. You know, your career is going to make these things happen. And in many ways, I'm a little bit envious of you because a lot of the challenges are coming, as Brittany said, with the pandemic and what's the workforce going to look like. But with new technology and new commitment from the public, I think a lot of the fun stuff is coming up, too. And part of me says, God, I wish I were younger so I could take advantage of being part of that fun time that's coming up. It's really going to be exciting and rewarding, and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. Storylines is produced by Peter Corkery, Alex Sotsos, and Dane Riles. Taylor Dunn is the executive producer. I'm Madeline Phipps with Brittany Hoffman. Thanks for listening.